Welcome to Inside Aesthetics, the podcast for cosmetic, wellness, and business insider knowledge. I'm Dr. Jake Sloan, a cosmetic doctor based in Sydney, and I'm joined by my co-host and good friend, David Segal, an entrepreneur and a multi-clinic owner in the aesthetic space. We'll cover any topic that makes you look or feel good with long form, unbiased, and unfiltered conversations with expert guests from around the world. New episodes are released every Friday and you can subscribe for free on your favorite podcast app, including Apple Podcasts and Spotify. You should seek medical advice before undergoing any treatment or procedure, and these podcasts do not replace a professional and bespoke consultation. Drum roll. <laughs> it's another new mini-series. It's another and the second podcast for today. Yeah, second one for today. It's like Groundhog Day. I sort of knocked on the door. I was like, I've been here already today. Um, we welcome our good friend, Rick O'Neill, all the way from the UK. Uh, Rick, if you guys are new to the podcast, joined us way, 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 way back in the first, well, one of the webinars we did. I think it was webinar five. Yeah, during, uh, during the first lockdown. And we did a sort of a deep dive on how to be the clinic that survives COVID. Kind of feels like ancient history almost now mm, yeah um well, and then and then we also did another episode with rick as well as his colleague richard on episode 134 so dive back into those things yeah. guys if if you didn't uh see that content but well, we need to do an episode of how to survive the fallout of covid once it, the economic impact has caught up which yeah. is probably coming next year <laughs> exactly <laughs> so yeah. welcome rick um nice to see you again how have you been mate yeah good thank you can I just say, you two are so good looking. It's a good job I am as well. Otherwise, this could get intimidating. <laughs> oh, well, you know, well, we are putting these up on uh, on YouTube soon. So if you get like a infinite number of f- friend requests from attractive females around the world, you know that it was because of the YouTube video that we put exactly. up. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. I mean, that would be a first. Yeah. Well, so, it I could be Rick's uh, sort of sultry voice. You never know. It could be just the podcast that lures them in. All of the above. Exactly. All of the above. It could be my sort of South Coast British accent. Yeah, that'll do it. I, I like it. I think it's quite nice. It's nice to hear a British action. It's kind of reassuring for me and with all these Aussies. Yes. Well, although we'll all be leaving soon and turning the light off before we leave. Well, isn't the light already off? <laughs> yeah. Oh, it's too expensive to have the lights on right now. Yeah, you've got a, tre- you've got a tremble under your desk. You're just running like a duck on the floor there, just trying <laughs> yeah. to keep the lights on. I'm like the swan. My feet are going, keeping the Wi-Fi on. Man, it, do- it does look pretty crazy, I have to say. Um, so what is going on from, from your perspective and maybe related to, you know, the aesthetic market as well? Yeah, what is going on? What a question. <laughs> I mean, um, well, it's a bit of a mess. So we've had like... We've got a revolving door in 10 Downing Street yeah. with yeah. A, a, a quick succession of prime ministers and chancellors, um, each one making some slightly odd decisions, in my personal opinion. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, so we obviously, as you said, we spoke last in the old school lockdown one pandemic, yeah. which is like a whole lifetime ago. Um, and I think during that, Richard was doing a bit of his, I'm an economic dude <laughs> yeah. and we're gonna have a, a u-shaped recovery uh or an l-shaped it was l-shaped it was, uh, was l-shaped he uh, predicted l-shaped i reckon in the end it was probably like a really sharp v yeah so what, um from what, where from where i was sitting so what you're saying um, is uh, you can say to him uh you you were wrong 
You were wrong. Yeah. I think everyone was wrong. wrong. Yeah. Everyone was wrong. Do you know what's interesting? If you look at the, I mean, we're slightly off topic. I love to talk about politics, so we'll just take a do it a trip down. I just, if you look at the quality of the leaders we've got around the world now, I mean, it ain't they ain't what they used to be. I mean, we've got an orange celebrity, <laughs> ex celebrity uh, TV host in America, and another guy that looks like he's potentially got dementia. Um, I mean. <laughs> What, what's going on? I mean, it's just like it's just like everything's like a popularity. I mean, out of 300 million people, these are the best people they can come up with. I mean, that's just America. I mean, I haven't paid attention much to UK politics, but it doesn't seem like it's, it's much better there either. Same, same deal. I think that – I can't remember who said this, but somebody did say a long time ago, you know, the perfect prime minister is the person that doesn't want to be prime minister. It's a shit job. And so <laughs> the people that are there are the kind of weirdos that want to be there. Um, and there's not many of those, and they all come through the same channels in this country, which is Eton. Yeah, yeah. and it makes it really tough because, um, all jokes aside, I mean, your whole life is on constant media alert coverage. I mean, anything you do, anything you said 30 years ago, it's almost become like your job as a politician is just to hang shit on your competitor mm. and find out how you can, you know, <laughs> discredit them in the media so that you can get ahead. It doesn't seem like anyone's actually interested in administering the country anymore. It's about holding on to power and making everyone else look stupid that you're fighting against. 100%, 100% yeah. And they're not even there long enough to make a change. Well, and now you know? you've, got, and you've got all these, you know, when situations are dire and people are panicking, it's hard to make. When the wheels start falling off, it's hard to make rational decisions. Yeah. So. And then, I mean, to finish the answer to your question, what's going on now, mm. um, we're in this kind of well, look, I don't watch or read the news if I can help it, but because I don't think it helps. But the the buzzword at the moment is the cost of living crisis. Yeah, in the UK, mostly driven by two two factors: energy. The cost of energy is like triple, quadruple over the next year or two. Yeah, um, there's tons of small businesses like pubs, restaurants that are, if their electric and gas bill last year was five grand a month is going to be 10, 12 grand a month next year. Yeah. And so unless they pass those prices on, they'll have to close. Yeah. Cheers. Uh, or if they do pass the prices on, they'll probably fall off a cliff anyway. Mm. Um, and then inflation, like, yep. you know, too much money looking for too few goods and services. That's what I heard last week is the definition of inflation. Yeah. Um, which I think is worth bearing in mind when we talk about aesthetics. Well, and I um, mean, yeah. Well, I mean, this is why, why we're here because, I mean, you're uh, obviously a very astute businessman. You understand this industry very well. And we've been having lots of discussions around people taking um, precautionary steps and being prepared for what's coming. It's not about catastrophizing and sort of, you know, pitting no. panic stations. It's just about understanding the way the economy works, where in that domino chain your business sits. And as an aesthetic, as the, in, uh, you know, as an industry, we're fairly well insulated from these type of things because we've had so much um, demand and not enough supply. And we seem to have reached that point where the market is maturing and consolidating. Um, and I think that, um, now is a good time for people to really start taking the business side of what they're doing seriously, which is why we're here today, because what you're an expert in is an important part of uh, most businesses' uh, marketing strategy and drawing you 
patients or customers into their businesses. Yeah, definitely. And we should, we, we've sort of kind of skipped the fact that we didn't introduce you properly because oh. we, we sort of assume that we know you because we do know you, but let's just introduce you properly to, to our new listeners and people who maybe missed out on our past sort of encounters. Rick, tell us, tell us who you are, what you do about your company and our little partnership. Yeah, absolutely. So, um, yeah, we did forget that bit, didn't we? <laughs> um, so I'm Rick O'Neill. I like long walks on the beach, romantic dinners. Um, <laughs> I've been doing digital marketing stuff for 24 years, um, which is a pretty long time. Has the internet even uh, around back then? Yeah, I built my first <laughs> website in 1995. Wow. You need to update your uh, website. It says 20 years. Does it? Yeah. yeah, well, that was a few years ago. <laughs> okay. But version 19 coming soon. Right. Yeah. <laughs> um, and yeah, where we I have ended up is in this world of uh, aesthetics and pharmaceutical marketing. Uh, so I, I have kind of two hats. I own a digital agency called LTF, which stands for Look, Touch and Feel. Uh, there's a whole other story as to why we're called Look, Touch and Feel. I think started it, it, out as a LTF's joke. better. Yeah, I was going to say, is that story LTF. is that, is that so, story suitable for uh, for <laughs> this this viewing slot? <laughs> yeah, it's actually really boring. It's right. to do with uh, what a lecturer used to say at university oh. um, in product design. But um, it, it used to be really funny when I when we used to get paid with a check, and I had to take it into the bank, and it someone had paid me <laughs> x thousand quid to look, touch, and feel. <laughs> Wow. You'd have the women behind the counter nudging each other going, you ask him, go on, ask him. <laughs> um, <laughs> so my my agency, LTF, is based at Silverstone Racetrack and we're a team of, I think we're 20 now, designers, developers, digital marketers, and we only work in pharmaceutical and directly with aesthetic clinics. Oh, yeah. um, and most of those are currently in the UK, but we're picking up clients uh, in the Southern Hemisphere and in the US right now. Um, and on top of that, I kind of a few years ago handed over most of the kind of day-to-day -day management of the agency, and I'm now, I'll call myself a consultant. So I work with pharmaceutical brands, manufacturers, and partners like you guys to advise on strategy, create content, put on events, um, because I, as you said, what I've become expert in digital marketing, I believe passionately in it. I really think, um, that to take the UK example, somebody coming out of the national health service, and then they're suddenly an entrepreneur by mistake or without realizing it needs a lot of help in, wow, how do you, where do you start? Mm. Cause it's massively overwhelming and something that we're going to come on to is I've noticed that because it's so overwhelming, it's uh, very tempting for people to go for the silver bullet or the quick fix mm -hmm. when it comes to marketing. Yeah. Well, there is no silver bullet these days. I, I, in my opinion, it's a, it's a multi uh, faceted approach. You've got to hit them from every angle. And I think that um, it's almost been people on autopilot. They're just following what everyone else is doing in terms of their social media profile or their marketing strategy. There's no real um, thought or, or, or sort of strategy behind it. It's just, I've got to be on here. I've got to be posting. I've got to be doing this. I've got to be doing that. And um, we've made lots of comments on this in the past that they're all starting to look and feel the same. It's just a sea of sameness um, without mm -hmm. much originality or thought or people you know, finding out what they're, what's unique about them, what's unique about their offering that um, – 
makes it a compelling reason for, for patients to come and, and seek them out and, and undergo treatments with them. And I think that's kind of where we're going to get a lot of value um, from you and our, our listeners are getting a lot of value from you is to help people understand, you know, the reason why they're doing digital marketing. And um, if it is for them, um, how do they do it well? Because it's a competitive space now. It really is. Absolutely. Yeah. And we're going to be doing 100%. at least four episodes. So I think you, you have coined these the deep digital dive. Uh, that's the name of our new mini series, Rick. Yeah, that works. That works. We'll, Fantastic. We'll call it that. So today we're going to um, focus on social media and content. And then there's all the other stuff like websites and Google Local and automation and SEO and all the other stuff will come in in our next mm. episode. So if you're sat here thinking, ah, oh, they didn't talk about Google business. Well, we will. Yeah, we'll get there. We've, we've only got we've only got like sixty to ninety minutes to try and uh, get as much information across as we can. It's I can't listen to anything for more than an, an hour and a half myself. So yeah, well, Joe Rogan, you love that, and that's goes oh, on do, for I, hours. Yeah, but I do it in I break it up, chunks. buddy. I break it up. Yeah. But to be honest, I think the feedback is people probably break hours into chunks. Yeah. An hour and a half is longer than you drive to work for most people. Yeah. Well, if you're living in Sydney, <laughs> you're traveling well, a peak yeah, hour. It's exactly. Take, takes that long to get a loaf of bread yeah. if you can afford it. Yeah. Now, Rick, can I ask you, what do we even mean by digital marketing? Let's just get some terms right, I guess. And what does it involve? Yeah. I mean, before we answer that, I reckon eventually we'll drop the word digital because everything will be digital. So we don't need to call it that anymore. True. Yeah. True. Um, but for now, Digital marketing is really anything that happens on a device, yeah. as far as I'm concerned. So you're saying me putting flies in people's uh, post boxes isn't working anymore? Is that what you're telling me? I mean, I have heard stories <laughs> of flyers <laughs> at, at urinals doing the trick. Yeah, um, right. But for <laughs> now, we're going to talk about the digital stuff. Yeah. Uh, so f to my mind, that kind of breaks down into, you mentioned some of them, Google optimization. How do you get found? What does it mean? What do you have to do? Uh, email marketing and CRM systems. How do you build workflows around it? How do you segment your data and do what I call grown-up email marketing? Social media, which I've got a few things to say about, mm -hmm. which we'll get to. Um, websites. I get asked, do I even need one? Uh, to which the answer, by the way, is, oh my God, yes. <laughs> yeah. um, because, by the way, you own that. You don't own Instagram. Uh, somebody else does and you're at his beck and call absolutely um, we'll, we'll, we'll come on to that with yeah. my story again just to remind people but yes it's uh, bad yeah absolutely so yeah I mean the general message across all of this uh, content is balance yeah balance and a, 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 fo a, a de-risking of your approach to marketing online yeah well it, I mean you diversify your, your investment portfolio you don't put all your eggs in one basket and it makes sense that you don't do it all when you're trying to market yourself to uh the world really you've got to mm. tick every box you've got to be in it to win it <laughs> and, and just you know there'll be listeners out there who are one-man band injectors one-man band clinics and presumably you're going to say it's just as important for you as you know clinics with 20 30 50 people in there well actually it depends what your your goal is if your goal is to work two or three days a week and you're happy with what that makes you and you can survive on that into the foreseeable future on word of mouth, you, you don't really need to push, do you? Um, but if you want a bit more than that, if you want to have a bit more control over the kind of influx of uh, inquiries and the, and the quality of them, mm -hmm. maybe you do need digital marketing and because you, you, you can control where you 
how you frame your message, where you push it. You can create better systems to help you unlock a bit of scale. Yeah. So it does depend on your goal. I wouldn't say everyone must do it because it really depends. I, I have met a few people that go, ah, do you know what? I'm pretty happy with how it goes. I do it part-time. That's all good with me. I reckon that's um, the lazy approach, to be honest. Because, yeah, but, you, know, you know, all of this isn't just about bringing bums on seats. It's about branding and just being there and whatever, networking. It's not just getting customers. To, to me, at least 50% of digital marketing is with your once you've got a patient, is to engage them, onboard them seamlessly, give them a great experience, be consistent with it. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, but from the sort of growth perspective, it depends on your goal. But yeah. uh, once you've got a patient, digital helps you in all sorts of ways. It frees up some of your time. It makes you more profitable. You know, you can automate tasks that you hate doing or that are dull or that you sometimes forget to do. Yeah. And you can create a much better a much better business also if at any point you fancied exiting it even if you were a one-man band if you were truly embraced digital you'd create a more exitable asset mm. yeah you're all about the exit well yeah i mean I'm, I'm no social social media expert but um i think a lot of people start these businesses without really thinking about why Anything. they're doing or how they're doing it or when they've one day had enough, how they can either step back and allow this business to start generating what we call passive income or mm, the dream. Get, yeah, or get to a point mm. where the business is no longer reliant on you so that you do have an asset that might be an attractive uh, acquisition for someone else out there in the marketplace. And, you know, we're starting to have these conversations now because it's it's something that um, we don't really talk about. We we focus so much on clinical training, which is obviously very important because that is the, at the core of, of, of what all these medical professionals do. Um, but at the end of the day, it's you're still running a business. People aren't turning up for free. They're expecting to get paid for their services. And um, whether you like it or not, whether you're working for yourself or you're working within a chain clinic or you've got a multi-site um, clinic uh, business enterprise, um, there are rules of engagement and there's things that people need to know. Otherwise, when things get tough and there's a good chance they're going to, um, you might get chewed up and spat out. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. And from the consumer slash patient perspective, their expectations go up by the day yeah. because they're dealing with and interacting with apps and websites and mm. campaigns from people with much bigger budgets, frankly. And so their expectation is high. and what that means for the likes of us in aesthetics running a clinic is number one, mobile is absolutely king. So every, anything you do has to be beautifully easy to navigate mm. on a mobile. Yeah. From from finding you, from consuming your content to navigating your website to onboarding with you yeah. to booking back in with you, yeah. etc. Eighty-five to ninety percent of the traffic in aesthetics happens on a mobile yeah but yet what you tend to find is when clinics or people involved in a clinic are building a website they look at it on their laptop and go yeah it looks great let's go yeah yeah and they forget to test it on their mobile yeah and i think it's all about creating a frictionless um process for the patient or the, or the consumer you know you've only got yeah, a absolutely. limited amount of time to to capture their attention and help them make the decision that you're the person that they're looking for and if you get them to fall over at some point or they hit some sort of roadblock or, or friction point, which is what I like to call it. Um, you're making your life really hard for yourself. 
Definitely. Absolutely. Now, let's focus on social media. We're, we're giving the Go gold on. away for, for our <laughs> other episodes. Oh, there's loads of gold. Don't worry. This is all relevant, of course. But, um, <laughs> you know, people, I've, I've put out a message on our Patreon WhatsApp, and uh. people got tons of questions. And interestingly, and I know, Rick, you, you've got to be in your butt about this. It was all about Instagram. Uh, when I said, when I said, do you have questions about social media? Everyone gave me Instagram questions. So maybe first we'll just, you know, I guess again, just to define what we mean by social media, because there's the obvious ones like Instagram, Facebook, and, and now TikTok, but then you've got things like YouTube, Clubhouse, Twitter, even, I, I don't know what, what you're defining as social media and what channels we're, we're going to sort of dive down into. Yeah. I mean, in the broadest sense, to my mind, social media is anything where people can answer you back. Yes. So yeah, YouTube is social. There's a comment section. They can follow you. Uh, forums are social media. They're the oldest form of social media, review <laughs> platforms, things like that. Yeah. I would think all of that is a social based platform because yeah. it's a kind of two way. Um, and that's really part of my take on social media in general is don't forget at what level of marketing you're at because as you said in your whatsapp group your community everyone went straight to instagram everyone's kind of obsessed with instagram in aesthetics but and there is also i i have conversations where you talk about you start a conversation about marketing and instantly from the injectors side they assume you're talking about instagram yeah, yeah. But those things are several levels removed, right? So Instagram is just one of several social media platforms. Social media platforms are just one of several digital platforms. And digital platforms are just part of a good marketing plan. Yeah. So do not think marketing equals what I post on Insta tomorrow. Yes. Yeah. There's several levels removed. So you've got to kind of zoom out a little bit and think uh, at the bigger picture. And, and we'll get into some of the reasons why that might be a good idea well, but i think broadly speaking social is anything where it's a two-way potentially a two-way dialogue hopefully a two-way dialogue yeah i i think we're going to focus on instagram facebook and tiktok mainly for, for this chat those are the i assume the most commonly used ones but what why do you think that is i think because oh, certainly in regard to instagram it's it certainly started life as being all about pictures hmm. And so we're in the world of aesthetics, pictures, makes sense. It's an obvious platform. Um, Facebook, because it actually, and, it, and this is still true, although it is a bit of a mess of adverts and memes and things, it still is better at community than Instagram or TikTok. Right. Because they have groups. And, and for me, that's the kind of last bastion of engagement for Facebook mm -hmm. is to create closed groups. Um, and we see that working really, really well for clinics, even treating them a bit like a VIP type community. So how do you mean um, there'll be some people who don't regularly use Facebook? So it's almost like a closed forum. Yeah. So it's a closed forum. You've got to apply to be part of it. Um, you can even post in it anonymously, which is really interesting because mm. generally speaking, Facebook, people will get into big, bigger discussions than they would on Instagram, you know. Sometimes on Instagram, people can barely muster an aubergine because um, <laughs> it's very emoji and like, e yay, claps for the and yay, fire. Yeah. 
you know, it's, it's, it's very thin, isn't it? In terms of engagement, it's like, oh, fire, clap, well done, lol. Um, but Facebook, you get into threads of discussion and they ask yeah. bigger questions and their consumers, patients are happier to do that, it seems, within a closed group. Mm. And even having the option of posting anonymously a question that they might be maybe a bit embarrassed about, for okay. example. That's interesting. Um, so Facebook, for me, the group strategy, I've seen working really well for clinics. Um, and as I said, you can almost treat it like uh, in this group, we post content, we do questions, we offer you treatments that don't get offered on our public social pages yeah. like Instagram. Um, and then, yeah, TikTok is the other, obviously, up and coming platform in terms of aesthetics. I don't think it will necessarily, I don't think any platform will necessarily take over. But what happens is obviously your current patients are getting older. And your next wave of patients are sitting and engaging somewhere else. Yes. Um, so, and TikTok is different to all the others because of the way the algorithm works. It's interest-based, whereas Facebook and Instagram are based on something called the social graph. So it's based on what your friends and followers are doing or what you thought of what they were doing, whereas right. TikTok very quickly picks up on what you actually are interested in, regardless mm. of who it's coming from. Um, so it, it scales quicker but again it all of these things if you go back to your original question what do we mean by social and what's the purpose of it it depends on your target audience and at the moment in the context of when we were talking about the uk being in a bit of a mess really i think we should be going back to who are we targeting what part of society what you know give this person this fake person a name an age a job uh, a disposable income a geography and target your messaging and your platform to that person because if you're on all the platforms with the same message and you're all about discounts for example you're going to struggle mm. but if you are in one particular platform where you know one very niche type of audience engages could be instagram could be a facebook closed group could be a youtube channel uh i work with a doctor in the uk she's got fifty thousand subscribers on her youtube channel really brings personality to it and it's driven a huge amount of interest growth traffic to her clinic which she never saw from instagram facebook or anything else yeah um, um and it's also as much as where you put your focus you know if you i'm sure if you put all of your focus into creating tiktok content it, it will start to pay dividends if that's where your audience is sitting in the uk i don't think um it's quite there yet i see people being active there and sometimes they'll even create a bit of content that will get a hundred thousand views but because i'm super nosy and curious i always call them up and go yeah you see that video they've got a hundred thousand views how many inquiries did you get yeah or oh, one but they didn't turn up yeah, that, that's the um, thing with TikTok. So, it will make you potentially globally viral, but it doesn't really translate to anything. It's just people watching a video. This is the thing. Uh, again, if you really, really think and be honest with yourself about why you're doing the stuff you're doing on social media, for example, Instagram, and look at who's following you, take away other practitioners from that number, take away people in a different country, and out of the ones that are left, you're hoping 
that there are people in that list that are within 20, 30 miles of your clinic location and that have a need or are likely to come to you for something. Yeah. Yep. That's the reality of it. Yeah. And so if you post something, let's say you're at a conference or you've done some fancy advanced training course with some global legend, <laughs> then who are you doing that for? Is it because you think, ah, if I keep posting this kind of stuff, I might get a KOL contract with someone? Mm. Um, or are you doing it for your patients? Which one is it? Or if you're doing it for your patients, are you sure they care? Um, so I think it's constantly asking yourself, who am I targeting? Why am I doing it? And what metrics matter? Yeah. Because you may get like, you know, thousands of views, loads of likes and no messages. <laughs> the, the The bit that matters is obviously the inquiries, the revenue. And social media managers will tell you until they're blue in the face. You've got loads of reach this month or you've got loads of likes this month or loads of comments. <laughs> Who cares? Yeah. Who cares? What does it mean? Nothing. Yeah. Um, revenue is what matters. Messages is what matters. Um, and that's why certainly when we work with clients, we very, very rarely just work on their social media. Sometimes with the bigger brands or the manufacturers, we might be, but it will be a sort of paid media campaign type approach. Hmm. Um, but with a clinic, if they come to us and say, how much for you to do our social, <laughs> then we know that's a bad start point. So we would always start by assessing all of their digital marketing, not just their social, and then put together a broader plan. Yeah. But I really would encourage people to ask themselves, who am I targeting? Why am I doing it? What matters? Um, and think about their content strategy. Yeah. And we can talk a bit about that in a second because yeah. uh, I have a, a bit of a hack for how to manage your content strategy. Oh, mm, like well, hacks. if we could first concentrate on your favorite one, Instagram, because like it or not, well, at least here in Australia, everyone's obsessed with it. I don't know anyone who uses Facebook and of course, people are sort of dabbling with TikTok, both from a consumer perspective, looking for stuff, as well as, um, you know, clinics kind of putting themselves out there in a slightly different way. But, you know, you said at the start, Instagram used to be very easy. It's just pictures, it's, it's aesthetics. You just look at something and go, okay, there's a before and after, I understand, and maybe I'll book in. Whereas now, it, it sort of morphed into quite a confusing mess of stories, reels, they tried Instagram TV, which basically died. Um, like, what is Instagram really for? Like, for, for when we think about aesthetics and and businesses, how, how would you describe it for someone maybe who isn't on it? Yeah, I mean, it's still by and large a visual platform because, as I said, you don't get much in the way of conversation happening there. Now and again, you might get a, a, a bit of a comment thread going, but by and large, it's still predominantly visual it has become a mess because that's mark zuckerberg frantically trying to throw things at it and see what sticks in terms of competing with snapchat and tiktok and oh let's do reels now and let's do this now and yeah that has made it more complicated um and i see people kind of falling victim to just following what everybody else does as a result of these changes yeah so now when you look at your feed 80 percent of it will be people pointing at 
text on a screen or dancing. Yeah, and just, it drives fine me insane. If the, it's, <laughs> it's, it's almost, it's that's almost, fine. Yeah. But if, if it's, if it's driving a result, that's fine. But if you're only doing it because Sally down the road did it, you've really got to ask yourself some, some questions, hmm. but you know, at its basic level, it's a visual platform. It has benefits. And I want want to be clear on that because if I moan about Instagram, I want to put it in proper context. I've been working with it since it was created. I've been behind some of the biggest campaigns on Instagram for aesthetic brands, certainly in the UK. And so I get social media and I understand its benefits and it has its place. Um, But I think we're all doing it backwards and I will explain that. Um, But the benefits, number one, it's about staying front of mind with your patients or potential patients. So social media is faster, easier to update than your web content and your articles, et cetera, your other digital footprint. So it makes sense that that is the place you go to stay front of mind and ensure people know what you're up to today rather than two years ago. Uh, People do use it as part of their kind of onboarding their research process they go to google first in the majority of cases uh, to research things but they do more and more use things like instagram or tiktok by searching hashtags and following threads etc yeah also social in the old-fashioned sense in that they're peer referencing so they're talking to friends messaging friends or their friend had a treatment or went to a clinic they're going to comment and ask or they're going to DM them more likely. How was that? How did it go? How much was it? You know, what's the practitioner like? So that all of that happens on social media, and that is really important. And then I would say the last reason to be using social media is to find new patients, because it's actually not a particularly efficient marketing channel to find brand new patients that fit your demographic. Mm. And I'll explain why we're getting it backwards. Um, but in terms of the challenges with it, I think number one, we talked about the silver bullet. There's a lot of experts, technically I'm just another one, but there's a lot of experts selling a dream, which is not possible anymore. It might've been seven or eight years ago, but the dream that, that gets sold is come to my webinar and in 60 minutes, I'll teach you how to build a million pound clinic using only Instagram. Not possible. How was that possible? What tactics are they using and and why has it changed? So a long time ago, there were thousands and thousands of less clinics on Instagram. There were The algorithm was in your favor because pretty much anything you did was novel and triggered engagement and you got reach and you found people. And so there's people that I know now and speak to often who have maybe 50, 60,000 followers on Instagram who genuinely are, if they live in a city, so I have one in my head that's in London, most of those followers are genuine, have followed that person for a long time, are patients or potential patients, and they get a lot of inquiries. Yeah. But they started that journey the best part of a decade ago, Mm. and it was hard work. And so when I say don't be fooled by the silver bullet, is if you've literally just opened your Instagram account, I have bad news. That's not possible anymore. Mm. It just isn't. And so that's why you need a more balanced approach across different platforms, uh, also outside of social. But the reason it's not possible is because 
organic reach has been declining year on year. It's falling off a cliff. Organic reach, to be clear, means if I post something and I don't pay to boost it or create it as an advert, then the amount of people that see it, that's the organic reach. And <clears throat> that has been declining year on year. And why is it declining? Well, thousands of new accounts every day are opened, including lots and lots of injectors and aesthetic clinics. So Instagram has to be pretty brutal with which of those posts it puts in the home feed of the people following you or looking for those hashtags. They have to prioritize ad revenue because they have shareholders. Um, they don't necessarily care about your objectives and your business goals because you're not paying for that platform. You're you're getting it for free, yep. so you don't get any say in it, and you're also a victim of it. Um, then you're also creating a risk if you put all of your eggs in that Instagram basket and you go all out and that's all you ever do, even if it works and you start to get a few inquiries, at any moment, and Jake, you will be testament to this, at any moment, for no reason at all, and through no fault of your own, your account could be suspended Correct. or hacked or cloned or whatever. Or if you've been in digital marketing as long as I have, Instagram might not even exist at some point. <laughs> yeah. And there's there's other platforms that come and go, right? They do come and go. Um, or they might, might get bored well, of it or they might sell it to Rupert Murdoch. Who yeah. knows? Well, does anyone remember um, MySpace? Yeah, used to I was be, on MySpace. Yes. <laughs> yeah, my, yeah, now there's no space. They're gone. Uh, or they, are they still there? I reckon they? it's still there as a thing, but it's completely functional. It like, yeah. No one would be on it. Yeah. So, yeah, they, as you I mean, said, uh, they're, 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 it's, an, it's an ephemeral world, Rick. Things come and go. Well, well I remember yeah, when is. Facebook launched, I... You know, it was awesome. I was at uni. Everyone was on there. It was its heyday when there was kind of nothing else, really. And then I can't remember when it changed. But like you said, Rick, you, you started seeing all these weird videos and memes and kind of ads. And, and it just changed. And everyone went, not doing this anymore. And that and that's mm. when I think everyone went on to Instagram. So, yeah. yes, I think Instagram risks, you know, with all this stuff that it's throwing and, and adding, just becoming you know, like Facebook did a bit of a mess and then we just go to TikTok or whatever we do. Mm. So, I, yeah, I think there is a natural cycle to, oh, to yeah. most of these platforms, Oh, but you're building, you're building on someone else's land. Basically you're building on quicksand possibly. Yeah. yeah. So it's a, it's a high risk, potentially low return strategy. Yeah. If all you do is Instagram. Yeah. Um, well, and, and so the, well, I was going to say, and, and then even if you get those inquiries, are they the sort of patients that you want? If you're, you know, an injector in, you know, your 50s or your 60s, for example, and you're quite a conservative approach and you're very particular about the patients that you'll take on and you do some Instagram campaign, you get a whole lot of 20-year-olds coming in that want three mils in their lips. Not that there's anything wrong with that, but that might not be the patient that you want. And so mm -hmm. you've sort of, you know, it's a hollow victory in like, well, you've got the inquiry, but now what? Yeah. Um, I have 100%. to say my experience of Instagram, I'll, I'll touch on um, the bad stuff because it was episode 172 oh, yes. where we spoke about hacking and, and being locked out of Instagram. It's terrible. Like I felt mm. completely paralyzed and, and I'm 100% guilty of mainly using Instagram for, for my, I'm not going to say marketing, my digital sort of experience mm. online um, just because of time, etc. 
but um, yeah, it's crap. So I'm, I'm, I'm definitely for not putting all the eggs in one basket. If, if you're just starting or you have a choice or, or you start listening to these episodes with Rick, really think about a proper strategy rather than just, you know, doing what we all do and just go to Instagram. But in terms of <laughs> um, the positives, um, you know, you, you can really sort of showcase things like, I don't know, hashtag Teatrophila Sydney, make it mm. hyper niche. And then anyone searching for that will probably find you because not that yeah, many absolutely. people doing, you know, that hashtag locally. Um, so it can be great. Absolutely. And I get a lot of patients through Instagram. Um, it's yeah. just becoming harder. There's another um, important thing that changed amongst all the mess and the weird features that they created on Instagram. They, they changed something else quietly in the background, which is actually more important, which is Instagram is a search engine now and the results can appear in Google. Mm. So when you write captions, when you create posts, people searching on Google can find your Instagram posts. I didn't know that. So if you're posting a picture and you don't really work that hard on the caption copy and you don't take an opportunity to get your key terms in there, your location, your name, your, you know all the kind of info you would want uh, to help give yourself the best chance of being found, then you're missing a trick because even if people aren't on Instagram looking for you, they could find that content on Google. That's really interesting. When did that a change? Engine. That was last year. Um, at, slightly before that, they made another more subtle change, which is previously, if you went into the search box in Instagram and start typing a word, all you'd be offered is to look at a hashtag or a, an account. Hmm that was similar to that name, but now it will search on keywords. Oh. So it is also a search engine in and of itself, which means your content needs to contain the phrases that people are most likely to look for. Yeah. Not just, so having a niche hashtag is one part of it. Yeah. But it's also the key phrases within it because people can search just a key, a key term and, that kind of brings us quite neatly to what kind of content should you be creating and how do you have more of a structured approach to it? Yeah. Um, because I know that the reels and things like that, the, the trend is that they follow the music's clips and the formats that are trendy rather than the things that patients are looking for so for example you know if i go three two one then put my hand over the camera and come out you know exactly what i'm doing <laughs> it's a trendy format but is that what patients are literally searching for no not really um <laughs> what they're looking for and there's so much data to back it up in the old days they would search one or two keywords now they ask questions full questions either on Google or in the Instagram search box. And those questions are about skin conditions, are about treatment types, are about different modalities or even brands of energy device that they might have heard about in PR or uh, on social. So if your content answers all of those questions for the treatments that you offer and for the types of people that you're targeting, you will win as long as it's balanced across a number of platforms. So for example, um, there is a website called Answer the Public, 
which is a phenomenal website, which once you've found it, you'll never not know what to post again. Mm. So that you, you will have enough content ideas for the next 20 years if you go to answerthepublic.com. And the strategy you should take is you should think first, who am I targeting and what kind of treatments are they most likely to need? So you guys know far better than me based on someone's gender, age, uh, emotional attributes, concerns, what are they most likely to need as a kind of program of treatments? Think about that first, write those down, head to answer the public, put those in one by one into the search box. And what it gives you is every question anyone's ever asked about those treatments, about those skin conditions on Google for the last decade. That's incredible. There'd be some funny stuff in there. (laughs) (laughs) There is some some amazing stuff. Um, What it also does for you is it orders it from most frequently searched down to the least. Mm. So then what you do is you filter out the weird stuff and starting with the most popular, you write short articles that answer each of those questions. But can you make that for Sydney or Australia or is it just everywhere on Google? Yeah, so you can change the data to be for Australia, for America, for Canada, any country, and it will tell you the most commonly asked questions. So let's say you head there and you type in acne. It will tell you all of the questions people have asked. And um, when we do some of the Zoom webinars, we can do a demo of it and we can show people how to do it and the kind of questions you get. But then from there, what you do, you write 500 to 1,000 word answers to each of these questions, Mm. the most common ones. From that, you then have everything you need to create social posts, email campaigns, blog articles, web pages, et cetera. That's insane. And so for your social, as a content strategy, the backbone of your content strategy, that then means that twice a week, say, you have content going onto your platform that's for the type of people you're looking for, pushes the kind of things that you're expert in, and attracts the people that are searching for these questions. Mm. And they, the other thing is, as practitioners, we always go to the modality or the treatment type or device rather than the questions about the condition. Because if, if someone's never had aesthetics, they don't know the answer, but yep. they do know the question. Yeah. And so focusing your content around these questions unlocks this whole different audience that you didn't know existed that's looking for this stuff all day, every day. Yeah. Um, and this applies to social, but it also applies to your website, Google, yeah. and we're going to get to all of those and how that works. Yeah. But um, as far as the social content strategy. And then once you've got that, if you want to, the way you portray that is in a hilarious dancing video. That's awesome. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Because the messaging is correct and it's targeted correctly at the right people with the right concerns that bring you the treatment type and profit margin that you're looking for. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I'm I'm glad you said that. So do you have a question? Well, I was just going to say, I mean, do you think it will be be a fair um, observation to say that most people out there are trying to be everything to everybody and therefore they become nothing to everyone because everyone's in the same swimming pool um trying to jostle for the same position and um i guess maybe to reinforce what you said which is identify what type of injector you are 
Um, you might be able to do everything, but maybe you've got a niche, maybe you've got a certain patient demographic that resonates well with you. Maybe you're an expert in a particular treatment. So tear troughs, for example, it's a difficult area. There's not that many people yeah. that do it really well. And maybe that's where you pick your niche. And so I think this concept of having to have hundreds of thousands of followers and trying to be everything to everyone, offer every treatment under the sun in your business. And, you know, you end up being a, a jack of all trades and master of nothing. And um, I think that this sort of sort of interlocks nicely with what you're saying, which is, you know, take those few steps back and try and identify. Have that, I mean, if you don't know, ask your patients, why do they come to you? What is it about me that make, have made you seek me out as an injector? You've got a lot of options out there. Maybe you don't even know what it is. Mm. Uh, but to me, that seems like the most logical first step. And then that sort of locks nicely into your strategy is just take that piece of data and then use that to propagate your strategy on social media or wherever else that it is. 100%. I mean, yeah. we, we used to say, um, I've had two agencies. Um, when we started this one, we used to say, you've got a niche down to blow up. Yes. And that's what you're saying is, um, if you're trying to be everything to everybody, you don't have anything to hang your content on, your campaigns on, your marketing, your content. Once you know what you're amazing at and who you're best at doing it for, then you take that and combine it with this content strategy we're talking about with yeah. the questions. You've got everything you need. Yeah. That's not to say that you can't offer everything else, but you focus your messaging on what you're best at, for whom you're best at doing it for. Um, and also during, if you're in a market or a country that is having what they're calling a cost of living crisis, mm. your niche might want to be more affluent people who don't care about cost of living crises. Um, then it gives you something to hang everything off of, whether it's your Instagram, Facebook, doesn't matter. It gives you that backbone and that hook to, uh, build everything around yeah um, I, think I see that all the time i see um people falling into the trap of uh copycat marketing yeah. of discounting of following the herd in terms of how things are presented yeah but that leads you to a very very dark place at the yeah. bottom of the race yeah um and also if you're in a race to the bottom by discounting the, the danger is you might win that race <laughs> um so yeah i i think it's a uh, positioning is key and niche is key and if you back it up with this content strategy and then you balance out the platforms you use to distribute it yeah and i know that the common pushback that i would get on things like this if i'm coaching someone is i don't have time to be on x y and z platform it's actually really easy to automate a lot of this to replicate content between platforms so that excuse is out of the window once you've got the knowledge of how to easily be publishing across different platforms. You can, and you may as well. There's not really much negative downside to doing that. You know, there's some additional reach to be had. And then once you're out there and your content is on a few platforms, you can pretty quickly see which of them is going to work for you, where, which one has the type of people you're targeting uh, and where you're getting a response and you can focus a bit more effort there mm. um, i would call that a b testing yeah um it's so interesting when, whenever you put questions out to our patrons you know what do you want to know about instagram everyone's like can you ask rick what is the algorithm and basically how do i cater to it and i think you're almost saying you don't 
you cater to yourself and what you're really good at, and then the algorithm will sort of cater to your niche. But you can't yeah. sort of serve this all-encompassing algorithm because no one knows what it is and it's too complicated. And it changes all the time. And it changes every five seconds. Yeah, I mean, actually, it's, it does change. It's pretty simple, though, because what it does, uh, and I, I've, I've got friends that work for Facebook. I know this is how it works. It's A-B testing your content all the time with small samples of your following. So let's say you, you post something today at uh, 10 o'clock, right? It will show it to maybe 5% of your followers first and see how they respond to it. Mm. And if they respond well, it will show it to the next 5%. If, they, if no one responds, it won't. And so when you look at your posts and you see that, let's say you have 1,000 followers and only 50 viewed it, liked it, what have you, then you know it bombed. Yeah. Um, the the reason it's difficult when that's your focus and those are the questions that are in your mind, the reason life gets difficult for you is because you're asking the wrong question. You're exactly. focusing on the wrong aspect of this. Because if, if you've, let's say you have built 10,000 followers, if 9,000 of those live nowhere near you and are never going to walk into your clinic, you're wasting your time. And they're not likely to fully engage. Maybe whatever you did to begin with was hilarious. And they thought, oh, that's funny. I'll follow that person. If they're not in your target geography, if they're not in your target demographic, if they're not ever likely to pick up the phone to you, all you've really done is diluted your ability to reach the important followers that you have. And you've because of the way the algorithm works, it doesn't know which are your most important followers. So it will show it to 100 people or 500 people that followed you by mistake or for no good reason. And they're not going to react to it because they've, to be honest, forgotten why they've even followed you. And so then your rank drops and you have a rank. Your profile and your posts are given a score every time your, your overall profile on each post gets given a score out of 100 by the Instagram algorithm. And so if you instead don't worry about how do I get 10,000 followers, but you worry about what's your niche, what's my message, am I being my authentic self, am I bringing my real person to this content? Uh, and by the way, you need to be part of your own content. Don't just outsource it to social media, virtual person, because what you get if you're not involved in it is very vanilla and bland and it will do nothing for you we tried it um, shit <laughs> exactly like like jake is a brilliant example because all your stuff is authentically you right and it's and oh it's david who's running it i don't know i'm joking <laughs> yeah it's me yeah david does it for you but you don't give a shit whether people agree or don't like it you're being you and yeah. that is the way that is the way because if you have a niche and you know what you're good at and you know who you're good at doing it for no one else matters it doesn't you're not trying to please everyone. I honestly couldn't care if I got a thousand likes or three. It, it makes no difference to me because, you know, like you said, I can't serve this algorithm thing that I can't really control. And, you know, yeah. I, I'll be honest, you know, I've got about 16,000 followers and every six months I'm actually 
trying to like chop away as many mm -hmm. robots or inactive or yeah. not even robots people who i just know are not engaging because i know it's hurting my you know overall sort of uh, engagement sort of ratio like you said but it's Absolutely. a losing game even you do that and then you just get more coming and you you end up just well having to accept it well i've i've changed my well like my um bonsai page got similar about 13 or fourteen thousand followers and i noticed my um, engagement started to drop. So I've actually put my account on private. <laughs> so, people, right. so people can't follow me unless they can, unless they request. And then I want to see, are they real? Are That's they relevant? Good strategy, are they relevant? Yeah. Because also you, you keep hackers out. Well, I don't know. I'm assuming you, you make it harder for people to get, to get to you. Um, yeah, if they yeah. can't see who you are, yeah. but maybe that's a, a follow-up question. Rick is well, if you're in this position, like I am, where I've got all these people from, you know, um, Delhi over in India who love my my photos, and that's nothing wrong. Nothing wrong with people in Delhi, but they're not going to come and buy a bonsai tree from me. Um, how do I find? How do I, in a time-effective way, go back and cull all these people um, and get them out of my profile in a way that's not going to take me to the end of time? And I don't have much <laughs> hair left, so I'd like to hold on to as much as I can. You've got to do it I wish there was an automatic way to do that. There is an automatic way to see how they're broken down. Yeah. But in terms of actually weeding them out, I don't know of any automatic way to do it. It's a manual process. But there's a really good tool called Hype Auditor, yes. which you run your account through it and yeah. it will show you where are they, how old are they, what are they interested in, yeah. by and large, the kind of stuff they engage with. And so you can at least see how big the problem is. It's very expensive. If, every time I, yeah, it is. It, yeah, it is. It is expensive. You can do a month and then cancel it if you really want to understand your following. There aren't any other really good equivalents that go as deep as that one. Right. Um, but it is a manual process. So I would say if you're at the beginning and you don't have 15,000, 16,000 followers like Jake, who's a global legend, obviously. <laughs> just, um, just ask him. If, if you're, if, but, but if, Rick if can you're come back. Start, <laughs> if you're at the start of your kind of Instagram social journey, I would say just ask the right questions of why you're doing it. Because every time I go and give a talk on stage, guaranteed the first question in the Q&A at the end is, how do I get to 10,000 followers? Yeah. And I always say, why would you want to do that? It's actually hurting my presence, exactly like you said. If it's only showing it to 2%, 5%, I'm actually, I don't need those 16,000. I'd rather have 2,000 really engaged people. Yeah. Well, how many patients do you need? I well, mean, exactly. how many patients can you service in a year? Really? Exactly. I mean, if you, if you, well, let's do the math. So if you've got, let's call a full day, what? Eight, let's keep, eight, eight let's, patients, 10 let's, patients? Let's say 10, it's just around So number. 10 patients, that's 50 a week. Yeah. How many weeks a year do you work? 48? Oh, yeah, let's Take call four it, weeks off? Let's call it, yeah. 50. So that's like what, 1600 people in a year Yeah, at, at full tilt with yeah. no cancellations. Yeah, you exactly. can't handle any more people than that. If you've got 2000 super engaged people that love you to bits and can't imagine why, <laughs> if they love you to bits, then you don't need, you don't need any more than that. Really? Do you? Yeah, no, exactly right. And I actually think, um, if you take that kind of attitude and actually I really like the closed account approach because then, you know, someone's, yeah taking the extra step of requesting for well, your approval. <laughs> it's like an ego thing, isn't it? We've all sort of been programmed. Unless you've got 10,000 followers, you're nothing, you're no one, you're a social media failure, you should, you know, burn your phone and shut down all your accounts because <laughs> you suck. And that, but that's, that's sort of the unspoken peer pressure that we've all put on ourselves and each other. I mean, we'll think about the IA Instagram. We've done nothing. We hit 7,000 the other day. Yeah, to build. We have not done a single ad. We don't 
anything like that. Literally, our social media is the episode, which everyone kind of already knows anyway, because that is what the podcast is, and the occasional one of me and you being a dick in the studio. (laughs) That's it. But this this (laughs) is kind of my point about how we all do things backwards, because if you take the Inside Aesthetics Instagram account as an example, you say you've done nothing to build it, yeah, apart from 200 really good podcasts. Yeah. Okay. So, and, and that has built your community of people that you care about because they're your listeners mm. rather than 20,000 12 year olds from Delhi, right? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, and the same goes for an aesthetic clinic. Let's say, for example, they put a bit more effort into their Google local profile. Yeah. What they then do is they tap into a rich source of people who are local to them and are searching for a problem that they can help with. Yeah. And they're at their highest point of intent because by the time they've gone to Google to look for a clinic, they're already committed to act and to find a practitioner. So that is a much, much, much better quality follower because they'll find you on Google, they'll check out your website, and if they don't immediately book, which hardly anybody does when they first see your clinic site, they'll follow you on Instagram. Yeah. yeah. And so now... By focusing on Google, you're getting better quality Instagram followers. Yeah. And so then every time you post, don't doesn't matter which 5% Instagram tests out first, it's going to be better quality people local to you who could be, who genuinely could be a patient by next week. And so now you've got a much, much better quality of following by not focusing on your Instagram. Yeah. Do, do you agree, Rick, that... Um you know, there, there are a lot of people who have a profile, but they probably haven't optimized it. And what I mean is they might not have a book now button on their Instagram. Mm-hmm. They might not have um, put like a, you know, like a link tree or, or, or whatever version you want to use. So it's almost like you're using your Instagram as like a calling card, but from there you can sort of expand and get them to your website or get them to book or, or whatever. But there are many people who, who sort of, they're not doing that properly. And so it's just yeah, a page, but it doesn't feed into their whole business and, and the whole ecosystem. Yeah, 100%. And I think you've got to really sit with a piece of paper and think, what is my patient journey? Because if you create your Instagram profile in a certain way and every time you post, you ask someone to take a certain action, they will do it. Um, but if it's left open and it's kind of a half-baked profile and there's kind of three different ways or no ways to contact you, then it gets messy and you're kind of losing an opportunity. So yes, if you, if your profile is optimized and there's like a finger pointing to the book now button or your link tree has the types of conditions that you help with and you can take them down a certain path, depending on what they're concerned about. Yeah, absolutely. Or if you have a kind of facial assessment tool on your website and every post you do mentions it at the end. And don't forget, guys, I've got an awesome tool on my website that helps you figure out how messed up your face is and what you're <laughs> going to need help with. Um, so click here and you can play with it. Yeah. Um, if you build that journey and really think about it, you can fully optimize your profile. And then if you think, again, what I said about the fact that it's a search engine, your profile itself, your bio can contain contain the key phrases, the key terms, the key treatments that you offer, the town that you're in, the city you're in, etc. Yeah, um, and that will help you. 
Uh, and then simple things like every time you post, make sure you always finish with, and if you're within 40 miles of X postcode, come and see us. Uh, if you and, and include the right phrases about the, mm. the the questions that we get from answer the public, include those in all your posts. Mm. Um, just to rewind, if if we do have a closed account, does that hurt your ability to grow in terms of people finding you? Or I mean, I'm, I'm not don't know the answer to that question. From the search engine perspective, it would. So yeah. anything you post after you close it, yeah. uh, the captions and things are. I believe Instagram does something called a no follow yeah. in terms of search engine optimization, but your profile as a whole, there's certain elements of it that are open, right? You know, your name, your about copy, yep. and you can control that to a certain extent, what it can and can't yeah. index. So would you, would, um, you re- would you recommend it to people to, to go for that closed account type of setup or do you think keep it, Free and I open. mean, I would, I would, because um, I'm trying to ensure people focus on this back to front strategy of finding yeah. people that are local to them and then driving them to the yeah. social as a way of keeping in touch with them. Yeah. Um, well, it's so yeah, it's certainly be higher quality to, followers. Well, it's, for like, sure. it's sort of like the nightclub. You know, if you just have an open door and everyone can just walk in, it doesn't become a place of. Uh, you know, that anyone wants to, if you got the nightclub with the, you know, with the two big bouncers and the closed doors and, you know, <laughs> sorry, mate, not, not in those shoes tonight. You know, if, you, if you're not able to get in or you've got to sort of pass some sort of test, you've actually got to go to the yeah. effort of making an application to get in, yeah. then Absolutely. it seems to become much more of a, you might, not, you might not get as many, but the people that you get, as Rick said, you know, they're committed because they've hit the, they've hit the follow button and they're waiting to see whether they're gonna, you're going to let them, let them follow you or not. I so. think they should pay to come in, let alone... <laughs> Asked to come in. <laughs> yeah, such a joke. Um, <laughs> That'll be the next level. <laughs> I'm, I'm glad you used that analogy. I've used something similar in the past about restaurants. Yeah. Because, you know, yeah. Do you want to go with the one that's empty or the one yeah, with the queue? Yeah, I'll just get corner? Jake standing there virtually with a clipboard. Yeah. He's saying, yeah, you, sorry, you name not down, you're not coming in. Um, if, you, if you think about social media in its sort of basic form, it's the equivalent of standing outside your empty restaurant handing out flyers. Yeah, hoping that <laughs> hoping that someone's hungry and likes your yeah. food. And, uh, um, yeah, and hope isn't a strategy, Rick, is it? <laughs> it's not. It never has been. Yeah. Never will be. Um, one last thing about Instagram, because we could just talk about Instagram forever. Um, hashtags. How relevant are they? I mean, I'm assuming they are, because you've just said that it's almost like a search engine uh, yeah. thing. But also, you know, how many and, you know, should we be doing some trending ones versus you know, some more hyper niche ones are mixed. What's your strategy? Okay. So a few quick things on hashtags. Um, first one, the biggest mistake I see is that someone comes up with a list of hashtags and they use the same ones on every single <laughs> post. Yes. That's not a good strategy. Firstly, because Instagram see that as spam and there are certain hashtags that you might not want to be associated with because if everyone's using them repeatedly uh for example lip fillers in the uk at one point got kind of shadowed it Mm. got deranked devalued penalized by instagram because it was just on far too many dodgy posts yeah you know these massive massive sofa shaped lips and Instagram didn't like it. (laughs) And so if you started from the point where they shadowed it, if you started adding that to your posts, you got no reach whatsoever on that post. So you need to be 
changing them per post so that they're relevant. They are important because I know, having tested thousands of posts, that a post without hashtags versus a post with hashtags, the one with hashtags gets about 30% more reach mm. and reaches people that don't already follow you Yeah, yeah, because of the explore page. So on the explore page and in the stories for each hashtag, if your post gets decent engagement when it goes out, it can appear in those other places from people that you haven't met yet. Um, I would always use location hashtags as well because yeah, okay. of what we were talking about earlier. You want to get relevant people. Um, so all of these hashtag things, there are tools that will help you use a mix of trending and relevant hashtags. So there's one called ingrammar.com, I think, or .co.uk, ingrammar. They have a hashtag research tool. Hmm. So you put in your the condition you're talking about or the treatment type or the device or what have you. It will tell you what are the most popular but you don't only want the most popular because then you're a small fish in a big pond with yeah. half a million other posts. You also want a mix of more niche, longer tail hashtags. Yeah. So you mentioned like tear trough filler Sydney, for example, would be a much smaller audience looking for that, but they're looking for exactly what you do, where you do it. Exactly. Um, so a mix of popular and niche, but also change them for every post because if you just get in the habit of wazzing your standard 20 in on every post you're going to limit your limit your reach every time yeah um i mean how many hashtags should or can you use i mean i've sit there up to well, 30 yeah but do you need to do all 30 i mean is that do you want to use every single one that you can is that or is it okay yeah there's no harm in it you shouldn't be shy about using it some people for kind of aesthetic purposes hide them in the first comment they, they're still searchable, they're still findable, they still work in the same way if you do that. Right, okay. Um, but yeah, there's no reason why you shouldn't use as many as you can, but only if they're relevant. Yeah. So don't just put in 30 for the sake of having 30. Yeah. Um, you know. I, I don't know if this is only for business accounts, but um, I don't know if people know this, but if you go to under your post and click view insights, then if you just scroll down a bit, you can see how many people came across your post just from the hashtags versus yes. explore page and homepage and so on. So, you know, you could audit, I don't know, 50 of your best posts or the ones that you think are good and then actually start looking at that data and be like, oh, okay, those hashtags work really well or didn't or whatever. And, and that might help you yeah, as well. Yeah. yeah. And typically, as I said, with hashtags means 30% extra reach, meaning 30% more people came from hashtags and you hadn't met them before they found you somewhere else yeah um but again you can quite quickly see which ones work which don't if you wanted to really get geeky about that you could kind of a b test it so you could do a couple of fairly similar posts with different hashtags and see which one works which was which one doesn't um i have to say it is marginal the the difference with all of this stuff it the the bigger impact stuff is the content strategy we talked about the yeah. having a niche yeah um then if you balance your risk by being on different platforms make use of the kind of automated features of that so yeah. you can automatically share posts from instagram to facebook there are scheduling tools which let you go across more platforms so yes. you can share the same video through to tiktok etc um do we want to share what some I of those those apps are um 
well, I'm happy to talk about my one. I use one called Plan with a double N, mm. P-L-A-double-N. There's other ones, Hootsuite, I think it is. Yeah, um, Hootsuite, Buffer is another good one. Yeah. Um, Later is another good one. Yeah. So There's essentially you just, well, Rick, can you, you can explain it, but the way I use it is you can just choose your channel, so Instagram, but that you can also do TikTok and Facebook, and you just load up your stuff in advance you can obviously write your captions in advance and you can save hashtags in advance. So it does speed up the process yeah. and it can sort of help you manage your time. In fact, it definitely helps you manage your time because you can't do this stuff on the fly. It's just it's just not possible. That's not a strategy. That's just yeah. guesswork, I guess. You've got to sort of get into the mental headspace to do this stuff. You mean trying to do it in between patients? Or no, you need to put it in your diary. With screaming kids. Like and, from 9 yeah. till 10 before I start, I'm doing plan. Yeah, okay. It's literally in my diary. There so, you go. You've planned to plan. Plan like to that. plan. Well, there you go. You can't, get much, plan. Plan. You can't get much better than that. <laughs> if uh, plan wants to sponsor us, to plan, uh, you're welcome you plan to, to fail. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Should um, we talk about Facebook? I was going to say, we're in danger of, again, just dedicating all of our time <laughs> we're to gonna, Instagram. We're going to need another five episodes with you, Rick. Sorry, buddy. We just don't have time for Facebook. Yeah, right. yeah. <laughs> I, I mean, truthfully, I, I think that there is room to, to explore all of these yeah. you know, channels in their own dedicated channel. Maybe we will. But So Facebook, you know, for me, this is a bit of a... I don't know, like my mum's still on Facebook and, and that's what she uses. Whereas I don't know anyone apart from people, like you said, on groups and forums using Facebook regularly. I just, I just don't. Do you? Well, I do because a lot of bonsai people are old and they like Facebook. Okay. So, well, that so makes that sense. Works, that works for me. So I'm like, yeah, I'm like the youngest, one of the youngest bonsai practitioners. <laughs> <laughs> but what's your take on it, Rick? I mean, Facebook, you, you said it does have its benefits, but like who is on there? What's the demographic? Yeah, 100%. So uh, people like me, basically, old people, <laughs> right. like David said. Because um, my, my kids are never going on Facebook. Hell yeah. no. They, they spend their life on Snapchat and TikTok. Yeah. And they're four, 14 and 12. And so Facebook will die eventually with me. Um, and so that's kind of how to think about social platforms. It's not like one's more popular than the other, but the people you service move up through these platforms and then well, the platforms die with the oldest wave of those people so and in on facebook as you've kind of we touched on earlier in terms of an aesthetic clinic the facebook pages i have to say they are slightly making a comeback now just now they've had two or three years of being virtually pointless facebook yeah. business pages because they were so hard to get any kind of reach or traction with them unless you were running a paid campaign and you have to have a Facebook page to run a paid Facebook campaign hmm. and paid is slightly different. We'll touch on that in a second. Yeah. Um, but organic, the number one reason or use case for Facebook is the groups. Right. So if you, if you serve a demographic of, I would say probably mid forties plus, uh, just thinking of everyone that I engage with and where our groups work quite well. Um, so obviously we have a, a big group, myself and Richard, the aesthetic entrepreneurs, there's 1500 practitioners in there. There are some younger ones in there. They've come there because the group's there and the content's great. Yeah. yeah. And, and you can't have that kind of environment or platform anywhere else, really. Um, then from a clinic perspective, we work with lots that do serve uh affluent um older mostly women but also men and they create closed groups that are almost like a vip club for mm. their clinic yeah 
And so it might have a different name or it might have its own brand. Um, and it's like a mini community that services that clinic. And it's for existing, usually for existing patients only. Um, and they talk in there about things that they don't talk about on their public profile. So they might have an open evening only for the people in that group, or they might do live Q and A's and to interview patients only in that group, or they might, if they get a new device or a new treatment type, they'll offer it to those people first hmm. and it creates, it's a really smart thing and, and it gets introduced to them after they've had their first treatment with you. So you can build an automated workflow that introduces hmm. your group. It's like you've become a patient. Welcome to the happy clinic. And <laughs> we now want you to apply to join our VIP Facebook group, which is only for people like you. And these are the things that happen in there. And it's completely private. That's interesting. Yeah, yeah, we, should set one up. we should set one up for IA. Well, maybe. Well, yeah. I mean, it's difficult because right now we're we're all on WhatsApp. That's got its own problems, yeah. but also positives because you know everyone's phone is with them. Yes. Um, but maybe we'll do something with the IA community that yeah. we'll be building. So, mm. yeah, interesting. Yeah, yeah. I, I would say across all of the things that Meta have done, Meta. Facebook groups is by far the most well organized at the moment. So you know you can create events, listings invite people they register they get reminders you can go live inside the group yeah you can do watch parties where you've got like pre-recorded content but you all watch it together and talk about it at the same time <laughs> you can organize your files you can create modules lessons course content you can uh manage your videos albums far better than you can on Instagram, you know, Instagram's a total mess. It is, yeah. Your only chance to organize content is the highlights at the top, and that's just crap. Yeah. Um, so Facebook groups are by far, by far the most uh, well-organized, well-serviced, and the highest engagement from an algorithm, algorithmic perspective, because if you're in a group, you pretty much see everything, or at least every other post that goes into that group in your feed. Uh, which does not happen when you're following an Instagram account or a TikTok account. Yeah. Um, so to my mind, they still have a place. Um, eventually they'll die out because the demographics that they serve will give up on their face. Here's and, a question. Uh, um, you, you mentioned on Facebook, you've got these closed groups and you can do lives and all the rest of it. How does that compare to something like this with Zoom? where you might mass scale it into 100 people on a Zoom. But what's the, what's the interface like and the experience like? Is it better on Facebook? Uh, I would say for discussion, yes, it is. So Because obviously if you're running a Zoom webinar, you've got the Zoom chat and it's all right. I know you can run polls and you can run things like that. Facebook has all of those features. Um, when I go live in Facebook groups, I use a t an additional third-party tool called Ecamm. Hmm. And that means I can do like studio level production. So you can switch cameras, switch screens, pull in videos, pull in guests. And then on Facebook, they're seeing all of that. Plus they've got live chat. They can, they've got emojis. They can react in the ways that you would normally expect with Instagram, Facebook. They can answer questions on the screen. If you're running a poll, um, you can have things like countdown. So, when you go live on Instagram, for example, 
it's all a bit clunky, isn't it? They have to invite you in and there's like a bit of a faff. Oh, yeah. like, oh my God, is Jake on yet? I don't know. <laughs> um, whereas on in a Facebook group, it's pretty slick. And you can, if you've set it as a listed event that's due to happen at a certain time, you go live kind of five minutes before and it goes, boom, countdown, event starting in five minutes, four minutes, 59. And Ooh. you can have hold music and it's all much slicker. I think yeah. we should investigate that. We should. Yeah, we yeah. definitely should. Um, it's very cool. Come, yeah. come along to Richard does a Thursday night one and he's pretty slick with it. So it's almost like a, I don't want to compare him to like Piers Morgan. Just like, <laughs> um, there's a lot of kind of media stuff at the beginning and like a cityscape and then it's like a countdown and right. yeah, it's really cool. Oh, Uns- un- uncensored with, uh, yeah. Uncensored with Richard. Yeah. Let's just talk about uh, Chinese spyware program, uh, TikTok. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Freudian slip. Yeah. Well, actually joking aside, let's touch on that because there, you know, there are some people quite scared to use it because of the, um, conspiracy i guess let's not say it's actual fact that um that was a joke by the way don't the data is being <laughs> passed to the chinese government i mean what's your take on that Rich? david won't be here next i was week. only joking Gigi Ping. i was actually... into the back of <laughs> a van joking. somewhere <laughs> i'll vanish <laughs> yeah yeah what's your take on that rick um any any merit uh, in worrying about using tiktok or any of the other ones I reckon if you're worried about privacy and security, you shouldn't be on social media. You shouldn't have a phone, full stop. (laughs) Yeah, throw that phone in the bin and go and live your life. Go go and and hang out with Richard Snowden, wherever he he is. (laughs) I think that, yes, there are theories and concerns about where your data is. Edward Snowden, sorry. Edward, Edward, sorry. Sorry, Edward. (laughs) Yeah, sorry. He's so good, I don't even know who he is anymore. Yeah about where the data is hosted and and what they're doing with it but you know to be honest what data are you putting in there only put in there what you're happy with well it's i think it's more detail. and to be honest this is probably isn't just tiktok i'm sure it happens with siri and alexa in your house but you know if you give it access to the mic so you can talk to the mic it's all you can also listen and Check what you're searching on Google oh. when you're not even on the app. Your phone just kicked in. Well, there you go. Yeah, Siri and Alexa are now talking to me on my watch. There you go. Um, there you go. So, you know, if you don't want to be involved in all of that, just get rid of all of your devices because they are all listening in some way anyway. Yeah. I mean, I it's really interesting because I see this from two very different perspectives. So personally, I'm a just a normal geezer and I don't like being bothered. But then also in my professional career, I'm a digital marketer and I love the fact that we can track people, (laughs) segment data, retarget them. Yeah, if you say something on WhatsApp to to David tomorrow about the car that you want, I can send you an ad for it. Yeah, I love that. Um, And I accept all of those um, uh, tracking policies on my apps and things because i like to if i'm going to get advertised to i'd rather it was relevant and Mm. it was stuff that i'm interested in whereas other people are completely anti that and it's really just a an ethical and a principled thing for each individual yeah but from a data security perspective whether it's tiktok instagram facebook the simple answer is only put in what you're happy sharing yeah yeah well, it's like these data. I don't know if you heard, Rick. There's been all these data breaches, yeah. and and uh, you know, big companies Was having Optus? data stolen. Optus, Optus yeah. which is a big phone company, a bit like um, yeah. E E 
Was it EE? Yeah, in the UK? Yeah, a bit like that. Yeah, everything everywhere, or I'll call it nothing nowhere, because yeah. it never works. <laughs> anyway, but I kind of joked with my wife, because I was like, oh, okay, because they, they texted me to say your data's been you know, stolen as well. I was like, okay, so they got my name, they got my email address, and they got my number. Well, that's all on my Instagram anyway, so who gives a shit? Um, and, uh, you know, it was just stuff that's already out there that I couldn't give a shit about. Wait, um, was this before or after they hacked your Instagram? No, 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 no. This was oh, this is after, 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 after. Right, right, right. Um, but yeah, as you said though, it's the same for me. Like my number is out there, my email is out there, and what? What are yeah. you gonna do? Well, I kept you know, getting all these blow up sheep turning up at my clinic. Rick. See, that's a problem. <laughs> Not again. No. <laughs> um, <laughs> and I'm going to keep sending them. Yeah. <laughs> well, can you at least get me a new one and not, not one that you've used. <laughs> wow. Sorry, Sorry we, 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 this is di- this is uh, di- I'll, <laughs> I'll give you though, some quickly. sensible tips though yeah. with with all this stuff. Yeah. Number one, switch on two-factor authentication yes. on yes. any on any account or app you have. Just do it today. Did you know that because TikTok doesn't do it, have it? If you get hacked today and you do it tomorrow, you're going to regret it. Yeah, yeah. TikTok doesn't have that. Okay, that's one of the there, criticisms then. that it's kind of more vulnerable to hacking. Yeah, I'm sure they'll enable it shortly. Yeah. But certainly with your Instagram, if you switch that on, you're far less likely to. Okay. Yeah, like literally, right, guys, do it right now. Go to your settings. I think it's in privacy. Just do it. Yeah, it will save you, or potentially save you being hacked. Jake is the poster child for getting hacked. Oh, now. Jesus! Did Christ. you have it on when you got hacked? Uh, well, I, I actually didn't get hacked. This is what I sort of tried to explain to people. But I got locked out of my account, and then the yeah. kind of. Uh, well, the the ransomers were WhatsApping me saying, "Hey, we've noticed uh, that you're knocked out of your account. Give us a thousand dollars, and we'll get you back in." And I, you know, obviously you're not going to do that, but also you realise that's not even possible because, however they've done it, they've alerted Instagram to the fact that you know I'm doing something dodgy, apparently, and therefore we're all locked out. It's up to Instagram to let me back in. No one else can do that. So I wasn't yeah, hacked. Yeah. I was sort of um, reported. I they guess sabotaged you. Yeah, exactly. The, the biggest problem with Instagram and the way they operate is it's inside their company. It's utter chaos, absolute right. chaos. Um, and I've had this from good sources. So if I if I go onto your account and flag it for, you know, hate speech or something, yeah. just automatically they could decide to suspend it just until they get time to look at it. Yes, that's what happened. Um, and that's the problem. That could take weeks. Yeah. Um, and so it's very much in the favor of the person reporting because, and, and I, I'm sorry to say that in some corners of aesthetics, if you're in competition, some people um, take the, what's the word, easy, pathetic route and decide to attack their no, competitors. that doesn't happen. And they, <laughs> they have done this. They have done this. It doesn't surprise so I, us I, at I know, all. Uh, I'm not going to name any names or any cities, but I know two clinics that are in direct competition, and one of them, they're great guys, and they do great work, and that's all they care about. The other one, who doesn't like the fact that they're doing so well, has been doing naughty things, including this. How, how, do, you find, um, how do you find out who's done it? Is it easy to identify the culprit? It, no, it's not. In this case, it was it became so obvious that no. there, was, there was no other uh, <laughs> likely suspect. <laughs> but wow. no, it's not easy. You wouldn't typically know who had done it. Um, the other thing that can happen is you can get cloned. This happened to me. 
And there's not much you can do about this unless you close your account, as David was maybe suggesting. Yeah. But so th- this is where someone created an account where the username was just one tiny bit different to mine. So mine's Rick O'Neill FRSA, and they changed it to R-L-C-K instead of R-I-C-K at the beginning. So it looked virtually identical. They copy my profile picture. They copy my bio. They post months worth of the exact same content that I've posted. They follow all the people that I follow oh, and then no. they start randomly messaging them. Yeah, It's super awkward as well because now suddenly, as far as these people are concerned, Rick's messaging <laughs> random female injectors at 3am going, hey, how's it going? <laughs> uh, by the way, I don't do that. <laughs> I do not do that. But it's really you're in bed then, aren't you? <laughs> so, so what's the cloner yeah. hoping is going to happen? I don't understand the motive. Usually it's um, crypto. They're trying to sell crypto. So they um, they want to use a profile where somebody is trusted and then they'll grad they'll start a conversation and if they get into one, they'll gradually go, Oh, and did you did you know mm. that I've started this crypto investment thing and you should definitely <laughs> buy some of my tokens? Wow. And sometimes people go for it. Yeah. But they 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 do it en masse. Yeah. Um it's a they did game. it to me. Mm. They did it to Richard, and the really annoying thing about this was he contacted Instagram, and again, this is how chaotic they are. And one of the options in the appeals form is I've been cloned, someone's pretending to be me. And Instagram came back and went, Yeah, no worries, we've shut down that account, and they closed his <laughs> genuine account. Oh no. And the clone was still there operating and selling crypto to all of his friends and customers. <laughs> Fuck. <laughs> and there's nothing you can do that about account, that. That account's gone forever, by the way. That's insane. Yeah, that's uh... so. That goes back to the first point. Have have uh, a few different platforms and have a website. Yeah, de risk, de risk. Actually, I will say in my circumstance. Um, so whenever I post Instagram, I always mirror it, and there's like a little tab button just before you hit post, and you can mirror that to Facebook or I think Twitter as well. Yeah. I mean. Twitter's a different story, but um, at least I have a record of all of my posts and captions and pictures and whatever. So that's another way yeah. of potentially salvaging something, even if you can't ever get it back. Yeah, good point, because you can also download the entire archive of your Instagram account from oh. all of history in the settings. If you've got a business account, which mm. you should switch to if you don't, you can go into the settings, click the data panel and you can download it takes a while and you get notified when it's finished but you can download a huge file of everything you've ever posted wow. do you have to do it on a pc or can you do it on a on a on your mobile yeah device? you do it on the desktop version right so okay. you go into a web browser on your laptop huh. and you can download the data file from any instagram account so hold on so so what sort of file is it and how do you use that so you get a huge zipped file and inside it's kind of split all the folders are by month year and date and then inside that, it's got all your JPEGs and video files. And then oh. there's a separate, uh, it's JSON. It's like a coding language. It has all your caption copy in there and you can open it using certain software tools. So if you did that maybe once a month, you'd have all of your content backed up as well. I'm definitely doing that when I get home. That's interesting. I didn't know that. Mm-hmm. Um, this podcast could go on forever and I'm mindful of time, but just very quickly, TikTok, I mean... Everyone kind of knows what it is. It's it's sometimes sort of still labelled as the one for the kids. But, you know, we do see aesthetic clinics and injectors doing really well on there or, or you know, seemingly well because they have followers and likes. But 
you sort of alluded to the fact that it maybe doesn't pay off in any great way, but any advice for injectors or clinics maybe exploring that new channel? Yeah, I I think, as I said, it will come to the fore. It'll eventually mean that your next wave of patients are probably on that TikTok instead of Instagram because of just how things change mm. as people are growing up. Yeah. So if you're servicing people now that are 35, then in 10 years from now, the people that are 25 now are going to be 35. They, they're not going to likely move away from their favorite platform as they grow up. They'll stick with what they had when they were younger. Yeah. So they'll be on TikTok. So I would say if you want to continue, if, if you're still young enough to be able to serve the next few generations of uh, potential patients, then yes, you should start looking at TikTok. You should start, but follow the same content strategy. Don't be kind of drawn into just creating weird TikTok memes for the sake of views and likes because you will get views and likes in their masses i i'm not particularly using it yet but i put one video on and it got thirty-seven thousand views it's like what hardly any relevant people at all um and hardly any engagement but it got shown yeah um and as as i said i i know a few clinics that are they, t- they did quite well with Instagram Reels from an engagement perspective, so it was logical to use the same content on TikTok. They get thousands of views and likes, but very, very few inquiries. So I think it's somewhere you should be dipping your toe if you're looking at how do I make sure I keep getting a flow of people that are in their tw- early 20s now coming through. Mm. Um but with the kind of balanced approach and with the right content strategy so that over time you can start to hone in. And again, with the hashtags on there, using the relevant ones for where you're based, um, tagging your location, etc. cetera. Um, <clears throat> but I think it will be a slow burn. Mm. It will be a slow burn before you can start to use TikTok in a more targeted way because it's a bit like a machine gun at the minute and yeah. spray and pray. <laughs> you don't, You can't really target um that effectively with it currently um tiktok ads are slightly different so um one strategy that we've been looking at with one clinic that wants to start targeting people via tiktok is to just immediately start with paid ads because you get some targeting options where you can at least restrict the location of people that are seeing it and some of their interests that they have um so then you can start to build a following so I'm just reading TikTok's our uh, listener questions now. <laughs> well, I'm, we're in what danger. What else have of, you got? <laughs> uh, well, I, I guess this is a broad question that doesn't necessarily translate to en- any of the channels in particular, but just paid for boosting posts or paid for ads on, on the various channels. I mean, I think you've pretty much already answered it. Yes, they're prioritizing them, but what sort of posts should people be boosting? Because of course, you know, it'd be a bit weird for an advert to, you know, if if I'm searching for uh, well let's say i'm a i'm a customer i'm just on my phone and i see a boosted post of like i don't know something that's not hyper focused on the customer you know i I think what i'm getting at is you can boost any post you like but most of them won't be relevant to boost uh yeah although never press the boost button right because there's two ways to run an ad on instagram and facebook right there's pressing the blue button that says sponsor this post 
which gives you two or three very limited targeting options. Mm -hmm. Or there's using the ad manager on Facebook, which gives you 20 or 30 targeting options. Right. So the boost post is the lazy option, and it's really just a very easy way to put some money in Facebook's pocket. Right. Um, whereas if you create a proper ad, go and set up an account on the Facebook ad manager, you can run an ad that will run on your Instagram page, on your Facebook page, but you can have it so much more targeted. You can target people that have engaged with your account before. Ah. You can build you can build your own custom lists of people. So let's say I want to show an ad to people that have visited my website before. You can place some tracking in your website and you can do that. So all of these other options get opened up when you create an ad properly on the ad manager platform. So I would say try and avoid just pressing boost for yeah. a start because you're missing out and you're probably just wasting your money. Um, but then in terms of the actual content, yes, it needs to be because what you're doing is you're pushing content in front of people. They weren't looking for it. So it needs to be answering a question. It needs to be through the targeting options, trying to find people that are in your demographic and most likely to have a need. Um, so not just any old post of you at a lovely dinner, but mm. something that asks them a question. Do you have unwanted hair? You know, that kind of thing. <laughs> um, I would I would avoid offers as well. I would save offers as maybe a retargeting thing for people who've already become a patient. Mm. Um, and I'd I would add value rather than take it away. Yeah. So start with educational posts, see who engages with it, and then retarget them with mm. more specific calls to action. Yeah. So you're kind of building a funnel of content that you're promoting. Yes. Um, and it is possible to do this yourself, or you might want to talk to a, you know, an agency that can set you up a, a proper series of ads. Yeah. Um, and usually you'd either start with either what I'd call a gateway treatment. So something that's relatively, uh, not too scary, not too expensive, but tends to lead to longer term, bigger profit margin treatment, or you'd lead with something that's got decent brand awareness. Some machines, some devices, some treatment types have mm -hmm. high brand awareness and people are already kind of conscious of it. So you'd lead with that, ask them a question, educate them. Did you know that if you do this, it lasts this long or it's not permanent or it's this, that and the other, you educate them. If people that engage with that go onto a virtual list in your Facebook ad platform, then you target them with the next one. Yeah. Then if they take action from that, you kind of do a follow-up. Um, if they don't take action from it, you can do a different type of follow-up. So you can be quite strategic and sophisticated with your paid social content. Mm. I feel like we could do an episode yeah. on each of these channels yeah. and just go deeper and deeper and deeper. Well, maybe on the... Uh business live zooms we can, yeah. we can do this as well yeah i think it's you know just to show people something on a, on a webinar yeah. or a, something occasionally is a bit more useful and practical so maybe yeah. we'll get right back for one of those yeah that'd be great yeah join us. um i think we've pretty much covered all the topics is there anything else that we've glaringly missed rick that you wanted to add for this first episode um I, like honestly i could do a two-day workshop on each of the things we've yes. talked about but by and large, I think we've covered the important bits of social media. My main message is just that 
why are you doing it? Who are you targeting? Have a balanced, de-risked approach. Um, we talked about the various platforms. I would say prob- we're probably going to talk about this uh, in most of these episodes, but we have this assessment tool that we take people through. So if anybody really wants to understand where they're at with their digital marketing across all the different channels and platforms, we have this one-hour assessment that we do, and we do a score um, across all those things, and we write an action plan off the mm-hmm. back of it. I would recommend doing that to anybody. Yep. In fact, we don't each, we don't actually take on clients that don't start there. Yeah. Um, but it's it gives you, at the very least, a, a, an action plan that you can keep with you for the next couple of years and just follow. Yeah, yeah, and there's a lot of it that you can do yourself. So if you go um, to your Instagram, which is look, touch, feel, and it's in the the link, you just click it, and then you can do that online uh, audit of your, yeah. I guess, your digital marketing sort of strategy, and then you'll get a score. Mm. I think it is Rick. I did it. I remember I did it over the lockdown. <laughs> yeah, you get scored, and you get key action points, and then off the back of it, you can be coached and have a sort of 20, 30 page action plan that you then just follow. And some of it's once and done, and some of it's habits that you need to get into, but it's a, a well-proven strategy that we teach um, clinics, and it, if people do as they're told, they get results. Um, what Are you going to be able to cater for thousands of people clicking that link? How does it work? <laughs> Yeah, we can cater. Okay. So uh, the the first eighty percent of that is automated because we've built the entire platform to do the scoring for you. Perfect. Um, and then the the last part, which you get an option on, is to pick up with one of our coaches and get your action plan. Amazing. Um, we've got a team of eight digital coaches that do this stuff day in day out, and we do it with different. We do it directly with clinics and we've also built this digital academy with Mertz as well. So we've got a hundred clinics doing that every year. Amazing. Um, and we, we coach them and uh, kick their asses on their digital marketing and we, we're seeing really good results with it. That's awesome. So just to repeat, it does take about an hour. So, you know, don't, don't think it's going to take five minutes and just on Instagram, go to look, touch, feel, um, which is Rick's company LTF. And then just click the link, um, you know, in their bio and you can do the test. I might do the test myself. Yeah, that'd be Get good. tested, guys. Get tested. <laughs> Feel um, your lumps. <laughs> so we'll have to plan our, our second episode, but uh, I think we're going to be focusing more on the patient journey and just sort of, you know, kind of different assets to social media. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, the whole kind of digital onboarding piece and what are some of the best practices and the steps you can take to unlock a scale if that's what you're chasing, but also create efficiency and free up some of your time so that you're not there in the evening doing stuff on your phone or a spreadsheet. Yeah. We can, we can lift all of that off of your shoulders. Fantastic. With a bit of automation. Well, thank you, buddy. Um, stay well, and we shall be in touch you soon. Too. Thank you. And My um, pleasure, guys. Great to see you. And thanks for having me. Thanks, thanks everybody. For our latest news, upcoming guests and episode topics, follow us on Instagram at Inside Aesthetics Podcast. Using the link in our Instagram profile, you can easily email us, text us, apply to be a guest on the show, follow our personal accounts on Instagram, and even show your love and support us on Patreon. 